Uh, I want you for a moment just to uh, think, um, if I were to ask you to maybe perhaps close your eyes or draw a picture or did some sort of exercise, if I were to ask you, what do you imagine God to be like? What would you imagine? Um, How does God look upon you? How does He look at you? Uh, What is His disposition towards you? What characters does God possess? What is His demeanor when He looks at you? Uh, A.W. Tozer, a well-known pastor, said this. He said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important thing about you, the most important thing about your life is what comes into your mind when you think about God. And he adds, he says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. What what A.W. Tozer says here is that how we imagine God to be, how we see God determines how we approach Him. And how we approach God determines how we relate to Him, and how we relate to Him determines our lives. So if you think, if you imagine God to be like a mean boss, you know, (laughs) you might do what He says, but it won't be out of any love. You might resent Him for it. Um, You might be scared of Him. Um, If you view God as perhaps a disappointed father, you won't run to Him when you are ashamed. You won't run to Him when you fail. Um, If you simply view God as weak, you won't think of Him as powerful enough to do anything about your life or your story. Or perhaps maybe if you view God as a genie who's just there to give you what you want, there won't be real any worship of God. There won't be real any uh, glory given to God. You'll just come to God and say, God, here's what I need. You're a vending machine. Do what I want. And that's no way to approach God. You see, how we think about God dictates... Whether and how we trust, believe, love, obey, and draw near to God. What we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us, and it will determine the very direction of your life. Um, We all face situations in our lives where we feel all sorts of feelings. Ashamed, guilty, lonely, hurt, afraid. And what we believe about God when we think about God and when we feel these feelings will determine what we do with these feelings and these emotions. And so our text of Scripture today is Psalm 18, and I want you to know it was written by King David. And King David, he is a man who there is probably no emotion in this room that you have felt that King David didn't feel as well. Um, David experienced it all. He is a man of many victories. So if you're in here today and you're successful and you think you're something, David was pretty successful. Um, But David also had some colossal failures in his life. So if you're in here and you're like, I'm a failure, uh, you don't understand how much of a failure I am. David understands. David had some catastrophic failures in his life. He had victories. He had failures. He had moments where he experienced great joy and great excitement. And he had moments where he experienced deep sorrow and deep depression. And what kept, but yet, despite all of it, the scriptures say that David was a man after God's own heart. And what was able to make David keep going through all the ups, all the downs, all the highs, all the lows? And I believe... It was his vision of God. Um, In fact, 
uh, Samuel is the prophet who wrote David's biography. So in your Bible, you've got First and Second Samuel. And Samuel wrote those books, and, and that is where we find the story of David's life in the Scriptures. And at the very end of 2 Samuel, in 2 Samuel 22, um, Samuel is describing David's death. And uh, how do you close a chapter on somebody's life? Uh, what Samuel decides to do is kind of the same thing we do when someone dies and, and we have to get up and teach a eulogy. Edwin knows about this. When you, when you preach a funeral, you try to find a verse of Scripture that really encapsulate the life of the person. And the verse that Samuel chooses to sort of uh, uh, to give the final eulogy and the final summary of David's life is David's own words, and it's Psalm 18. Samuel is showing us as the readers that in the end, the single most characteristic thing about David's life is not that he uh, uh, killed Uriah or that he had an adultery with Bathsheba. The most important thing about David's life is not that he slayed a Goliath. It's not that he uh, had all this wealth and all this influence and all this. It, the single most characteristic thing about David is that he loved God, that he knew God, and that he had a vision of God throughout his life. What David thought about when David thought about God defined his life. And so would you please stand with me as we read Psalm 18. We're going to read the first three verses and there, Psalm 18 is awesome. You can read the whole thing. It takes about 10 minutes to read it, but we're just going to read the first three verses. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. This is God's word. You guys can have a seat. Um, what I love about this psalm is that we see that David saw God everywhere. Like you look at the metaphors and the images that David uses. David, every, like I just imagine David is walking through life and everything he sees reminds him of God. David's like, that rock over there, God is my rock. That mountain, oh, God's like that. God is my rock. Uh, the shield over there in the corner. God's like a shield. You know, uh, later on in the passage, he'll say that God is like my lamp. It's like he just sees a lamp and he's like, that God too. Um, he sees a deer at one point. And he's like, the Lord is like a deer. You know, like David's like that, that, that. Like David has a way, he's, his mind is so saturated with a vision for God that he's able to see the characteristics of God in everything. And we could, I mean, if you read all of Psalm 18, you know that we could talk about Psalm 18 until Christmas. Um, but what I want us to do today is I want us to consider just a few images that David gives us for God. Little metaphors that he says, God's like that. That will help us imagine what God is like and will, will shape our lives and determine um, what our lives will look like. What we imagine God to be like is the most important thing we can think about. And David gives us some, some help. To help us imagine God correctly. And the first image he gives us is that Lord, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. This is one of the, of the more common images in the Bible uh, that the Bible gives for God. 28 times in the book of Psalms, the Lord is referred to as our rock. Five times in this Psalm alone. In verse 1 and 2, he says, David says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. Later on in Psalm 18, verse 31, he says, For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock 
except our God. Verse 46, he says, the Lord lives. King James, he says, the Lord liveth. And blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God of my salvation. Psalm 62, he says, truly, God is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. Uh, my wife, uh, her, she grew up in the mountains of North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, but the Blue Ridge Mountains are pretty fascinating. And every time we drive to go visit uh, her parents, my in-laws, uh, one, I always get car sick because if you've ever driven through the mountains, it's like this. Um, but uh, if I can stomach the drive, usually I'm just so fascinated with the tunnels that go through the mountains. I'm like, man, dynamite and engineers have discovered a way to blow holes through these mountains so that we can drive our cars through them. And it's fascinating to me. Um, but, you ha but you have to uh, recognize when we read the Psalms that in the ancient world, they didn't have explosives or drills. They weren't able to, able to take dominion over the rocks and the mountains like we are. And so when they looked at a mountain, that was an image of total stability. Nothing can move a mountain. It was, a, it, it was an image of complete protection. It was secure. It was dependable. The Lord is my mighty rock. David says that a rock is the only safe place. In Psalm 61, he says, God alone is my rock. What did Jesus say about rocks? He said, what does a wise man do? Builds his house upon a rock. Why? Because a rock can't be shaken. It's a sure and certain foundation that cannot be moved. The Lord is the rock upon whom we build our lives. We just sang about this. Take all the other stuff, God. I want to build my life on you because you're the sure and steady foundation. We sing, I don't know if you've ever sang this song, but the, my hope is built. I just messed the melody up so bad. <laughs> my hope on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And what's the chorus? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You guys sound good. The next step choir. I like that. And we sing that and we believe it with our minds, but our hearts don't always believe it, do we? Man, we spend our lives trying to build our lives on everything but the rock. <laughs> we lay our foundations on politics and politicians. We build our foundations on leaders who promise us things. We build our foundations on ideologies, our job titles, our authority our possessions, our good looks, our health, who we hang out with, our hobbies, our skills, our achievements, number of kids we have, number of grandkids we have. Whatever it is, we have a tendency to want to build our lives on foundations, some of which may be good, but they're all shaky. Politicians will disappoint you. Ideologies will go out of fashion. Your health can go away in any moment. And it doesn't matter how good you think you look, there's somebody out there that ain't attracted to you. 
you know? <laughs> Friends are fickle. They can come and go. Boyfriends, girlfriends, they can come and go. There will always be somebody more talented than you. There will always be somebody with more money than you. There will always be someone with a nicer apartment than you. Your children, as much as you love them, they can disappoint you. Spouses can disappoint you. Listen to this. Churches can disappoint you. <laughs> Church folk can disappoint you. All those things are good things, but if we build our foundation upon those things and what those people think about us and how well those things are going, our lives are built on shaky ground. But if the foundation of your soul, your life, your joy is in God, your rock, even if all the other things crumble all around you, you're going to stay steady. You will be able to stand through even earthquakes of life. And here's the thing about David. This isn't just some random metaphor for David. Um, it was a literal rock that saved David's life. You know, Dave, if you know the story of David, I'll give you just kind of the quick one. Basically, David was a little guy, but God said, this is going to be, to the people of Israel, he said, this is going to be your king. And he doesn't look impressive. It said he was ruddy and handsome. He was good looking, but he wasn't big and strong like they expected a king to be. So he was just a little handsome, like, uh, you know, just like almost a little, like, like a heartthrob. And they're like, what's, the, what's you know, Justin Bieber going to do, right? But the scripture said that God looks on the heart, and he saw David's heart. And so he, he says, this is going to be your king, Israel. But David was also a musician. He was also a warrior. And so he wrote all these songs that people loved. And he defeated Goliath. The giants that threatened the people of Israel. And so David really quickly became a hero to the people of Israel. But David wasn't king yet. There was still a king in, on the throne. His name was Saul. And Saul didn't like all the popularity that David had. So Saul began systematically trying to ruin David's reputation among the people. Then Saul tries to kill him, throws some spears at him. David manages to escape Saul's uh, uh, palace and he, he runs for the hills. And then Saul sends the entire armies of Israel after David. And David's running, he's running, and he goes and he finds refuge in a cave, in a rock. And there's like 10, 15 psalms about this that David wrote inside that cave where he's like, The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. In him I am safe. And so God protected him from murder attempts. God protected him. Well, listen, when David, his life crumbled all around him. He lost his reputation. Many of us, we build our lives on our reputation. Um, Saul was trying to kill him. He had to run from his home as a fugitive. And he was all alone. He had nobody. He hid in a rock and in a cave. And he said, the Lord is my mighty rock. And so this isn't just some trite metaphor that David's saying. He's saying, when I needed protection, God was my rock. When I had no fame, no reputation, no status, no wealth, no relationships, when all those things fell away, the Lord was my mighty rock. And he is the rock in whom I take refuge. And this is the second image David gives us. He says, the Lord is my refuge. 
He's my rock of refuge. Now, what's a refuge? A refuge is a safe place you run when you're stressed, tired, lonely, ashamed, afraid. You know, uh, when, uh, you know, you got mice, rats all over this city. They're doing their thing, doing their thing, and then you walk up, what do they do? They run for their little safe holes and their refuges. We do the same thing. You remember when you were a kid, you're playing tag with your buddies? There was always home base. Nobody can mess with you when you're on home base. Home base is where you go when you want to feel safe. Home base is where you go when you want to stop running for a little bit and you want to relax. And our refuges, our home bases that we choose in our life often reveal where we find our rest and what we trust in. And so as we get older, we're not playing tag anymore, we're playing life. And so we get stressed, we get tired, we get lonely, we get afraid, and we run to our refuges. And often we choose some really bad refuges, don't we? Pornography, food, bitterness, television, our phones, alcohol, drugs, bad relationships that you know you shouldn't be in. We go to these things because they provide this momentary relief. But they don't provide like you just said earlier, Evelyn. They give momentary relief. But they do not give everlasting relief. They're not good refuges. They're fake. They're mirages. They're fake refuges. And they take our eyes off of the real refuge that we need most, which is God. Evelyn read Psalm 91. I'll read it again. I won't read it as well as she did, but David says, God will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Psalm 61, David says, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. And let me dwell in your house forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of of your wings. I love that David takes this image of a refuge and then he expands it. And he says, God is my refuge. And then he says, a refuge is like when a, a mother bird takes her wings and covers her children. Um, so I've lived in New York for eight years now. Um, but I grew up in Alabama. If you're wondering what that sound is coming out of my mouth, that is sweet home Alabama coming out of there. In 2011, my home state was hit with a smattering of deadly tornadoes. I mean, it was like an onslaught. It just boom, 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 boom. It was devastating. And in the days that followed um, this onslaught of tornadoes, I was, I was um, watching the news, and I was reading the accounts of, 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 uh, of these tornadoes, these deadly tornadoes, and what became a common story was parents who died covering their children. This happened all over the state. Numerous accounts of parents who saw a tornado coming, they saw danger coming toward their children, and they gathered their children under their wings. And their children found refuge in the arms of their parents, and their parents died so that their children could be safe. And this is the image of what Jesus has done for us. Man, what threatens our lives? Uh, what are the metaphorical tornadoes that come into our lives? What sends us 
to our refuges. Shame, guilt, fear, loneliness, hurt. These are, are the great enemies of our lives, of our souls. And they can wreak havoc on our lives. And Jesus covers us like a mother hen from all these things. He is our refuge. Take shame and guilt. Shame and guilt over your sin. Jesus clothed himself. The scriptures say, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Jesus took your sin and he said, I'm going to cover myself with your sin. And when God, the just judge, lays his wrath on your sin, who's the one wearing your sin? Jesus is. Jesus covers himself with your shame and guilt. And when the, when the judgment comes due for all the things you've done, Jesus takes the heat. And you, and you remain untouched. Fear. What are you afraid of? I mean, there's all things in this life we can be afraid of. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? Death. Jesus endured death and He defeated death so that you could say, death, where is your sting? Think about loneliness. Jesus' resurrection offers us a new life, a life in the family of God where we have a Father who loves us, we have brothers and sisters who care for us, and Jesus Himself says He will never leave us or forsake us. He will stick closer than a brother. You've had people leave you perhaps in your life. You've been abandoned. You feel betrayed. Jesus covers you from that and says, nope, I'm not going anywhere. And you say, well, I've just been hurt. Life has been hard. I've suffered. Jesus says, in the resurrection life, I'm going to wipe those tears from your eyes. See, Jesus is our refuge. He covers us from all the things that threaten us. And when we feel these negative feelings in our lives, when we're tempted to run toward despair, um, we're tempted to run toward refuges that cannot actually save us. They can take our mind off of it for just a minute, but then the come down happens and we're right back where we started. But if we can remember what we know to be true, and that is that God is a safe place to run. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. In Christ, we don't have to be overwhelmed by our sin, our failures, or even our feelings. The Lord is our refuge. And those who take refuge in Him you will find that He is also your shield. In verse 30 of Psalm 18, David says, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. And this is the final image that David gives us, or that I want to give you. He says, The Lord is my shield. Now why do you need a shield? To protect yourself. When you're in battle. <laughs> you don't need a shield when you're watching TV. You know, you need a shield when you're in battle, when you're afraid. In Genesis 15, God says to Abraham, do not be afraid. I'm your shield. Keep going forward. Keep obeying me. Keep trusting me. And he tells Abraham, your reward shall be very great. The thing about shields, I, if we're, we, nowadays when we talk about shields, we probably think about Captain America. You know, and it's made of Wakandan vibranium. All right, so it's pretty strong. But man, it's like this big. 
Back in the ancient day, these shields, have you ever seen that movie 300? You remember, like those shields were, they, I mean, they were, they, you hold them by the arm like this and they're six, seven feet tall. They cover your whole body and you would march in battle like this and your shield would protect you. And here's the thing, if you're a warrior, often a king or your commander will lead you into battle, command you into battle. And you go, man, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm scared. There's darts flying at me. There's arrows flying at me. But then your commander gives you a shield and says, keep going forward. This is how the battle is won. And you walk forward. Because here's the thing. If you've got a shield and you're in battle and you retreat and run backwards, that shield ain't going to do you any good. You're going to get shot in the back. A shield only works moving forward. And listen, Jesus says He is our shield. David says that the way of the Lord is perfect. He is our shield. Which means there is a way that God is calling us to go. And it often will lead us into danger. And it may lead us into situations and hardships. And God may take things away from us. God may allow things to come into our lives that are scary and we want to retreat. But the shield only works moving forward. What's your alternative? Retreat? The shield only works moving forward. When Jesus says, follow me, we have no clue where He's leading us. But we trust that He's our shield. And that we follow Him. And when, when things start to get a little shaky... And when the, the, the arrow, the flaming arrows of the evil one start being shot at us and we're tempted to, to turn tail and run, we remember that God is our shield. He has called us to follow Him. He's not turning around. He has given us a shield and we follow Him. And the shield only works going forward. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Life is full of all sorts of challenges and fears. We face many trials and enemies and attacks, but we must remember that as we journey with Jesus on the life He is calling us to live, He is trustworthy. And we press forward because we know that the shield doesn't work in reverse. But we know that it leads to everlasting life. So we keep trucking and we keep moving. David gives us these three images, a rock, a refuge, and a shield. And these things together show us what God is like. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And David says, don't you dare think of God as some disappointed father who doesn't want to hear about your problems. And David says, don't you dare think of God as some mean boss who just wants to work you to the bone with no reward. And don't you dare think of God as some weak being that can't do anything about your problems. And David says, don't you dare think of God as just some genie in a bottle who you rub on every time you need something, but then you never give Him the time of day any other times. He's not any of those things. He's a rock, he's a refuge, and he's a shield. This is what David tells us. And when, 
The things in our lives come our way. Fear, worry, guilt, shame, hurt, loneliness. When we creep up against the enemies of the soul, what we believe about God will dictate whether we move forward, how we move forward, and what we believe about God will dictate whether we find victory. You may feel a certain way in this life, but you must know that God is your rock, that He is your refuge, and that He is your shield. The Scriptures say that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have a rock, a refuge, and a shield.